Welcome to your favorite F word podcast, where we dive deep into conversations around food, fitness, feelings, with the occasional fuck thrown in. We're your hosts, Sarah and Nicola, owners of Paradigm Nutrition and Performance, nutrition coaches, besties, and most importantly, humans. This show is for coaches, self-growth-oriented folks, active humans, or anyone looking to deepen their understanding and relationship with food, movement, and themselves. Thanks for tuning in, and we cannot wait to share this space with you. Hi everyone, Nicola and Sarah here for another episode of Your Favorite F Word. Today we are going to talk all about biofeedback. So biofeedback is something we use inside our coaching a lot. All of our clients become very familiar with what their biofeedback means, what to look for, and how to apply it to their health and fitness. We encourage everyone to take a look at their biofeedback simply to just become more aware of what's going on for themselves, their bodies, get curious about different ways that we can work to improve our biofeedback and ultimately learn how things are connected and how we can use that knowledge about ourselves to move forward with our health, our fitness, and any kind of personal development goals. So today we're going to explore what is biofeedback. We'll go through the foundational biofeedback markers, and then we'll explore those markers in terms of what to consider with each, what to look for, how to interpret essentially your biofeedback, and apply that to your health and fitness journey. Cool. Okay, so we'll start then with what is biofeedback? Biofeedback are the physiological indicators that we can determine by paying attention to different aspects of our body's processes and feedback. Okay, so when we're talking about biofeedback, some of the main markers that we generally encourage people to track are going to be things like our sleep, hunger, recovery, energy, digestion, and stress. Okay, this acronym is also known as SHREDS. Um, Sam Miller kind of came up with that. So that's a a pretty common acronym that's thrown around in the industry, Um, a really great way to remember all of them unless you're me, I always forget. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and then in terms of a few other things we also like to look at, we can also track our menstrual cycle, which we have another episode on that episode five, four, episode four. four. Um, So if you haven't listened to that one, and you want to learn more about that, you can go back and listen to that one. We can also pay attention to our habits or our routines, okay, and our performance and activity. So with that, I think one of the big questions is like, okay, well, that's cool. Like I know about sleep. I know about like energy digestion. Yeah, those are all important, but like why track it? So with our clients, we get them to rate a lot of these things on a day-to-day basis so that we can get familiar with like what's going on in terms of like trends, if we can see any correlations between different biofeedback markers, ultimately to just generate a lot more self-awareness. I think it's pretty easy for us to go day-to-day not really thinking like how do I feel after five hours of sleep, you know, how is my stress impacting my hunger and therefore the foods I'm eating and maybe is that influencing my progress towards my goals. Things like that can be really overlooked unless we're being really intentional and paying attention to those things. I think it's also really cool to think about like how interconnected all of those biofeedback markers are. And so oftentimes when one biofeedback marker shifts, whether it's a positive or negative shift, other biofeedback markers are impacted as a result of that. So for example, if our stress increases, we're often going to see impacts to things like our sleep, our energy, our hunger patterns, cravings, digestion, definitely performance, recovery, things like that. So when we're noticing a shift in one area, sometimes we can improve it by working on others too. So again, to use the example of stress, we can improve our ability to manage stress if we're also prioritizing our sleep. Um, So this Um, kind of awareness gives us the ability to connect the dots in terms of what's going on in our day-to-day lives and ultimately can help improve our health and set us up to be more successful in achieving our goals. Sure. 
It's a really important, important piece in terms of our nutrition and our training and something that can often be overlooked, especially if we're in a setting where we are tracking macros or having some sort of more regimented nutrition strategy of some sort, because a lot of times we can hyper-focus on the calories in versus calories out or the specific macronutrients, et cetera, et cetera, without acknowledging how all of these other things affect the way our body responds to, digests, how hungry we are, et cetera, et cetera, right? So the more we can understand about what's going on in our day-to-day lives outside of the food we're putting in our mouths, the better we're going to be able to make lifestyle changes, habit changes, et cetera, that are going to be supportive of our goals. And so Mm -hmm. that's our goal for you today on this podcast is to get an understanding of how to start looking at this stuff for yourselves. So when it comes to like in the interpretation process, once we're kind of familiar with the main biofeedback markers we're looking at, it's more complicated than just a matter of asking yourself, like, did I sleep last night? Yes or no. Am I stressed? Yes or no. Is my energy high or low? Like there's a lot more that we want to consider within that. And we have to essentially analyze things at a bit of a deeper level. So why don't we go through each of the biofeedback markers then and then talk about the types of things you could ask yourself, the types of things that you should be noting and paying attention to, to get a better idea of like how you can move things forward for yourself. Cool. So yeah, we'll go along. I always say, so yeah. So yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. Um, We will go along with the SHREDS acronym. So we will start with SLEEP. So when we are looking at sleep, we want to look at not only the quantity or the amount of time we're sleeping, we also want to be looking at our sleep quality. Okay, are we falling asleep easily? Are we having deep sleeps, etc.? The consistency, okay, is our sleep routine generally, are we going to bed and waking up at the same time or is that kind of all over the place? And just general patterns and routines around sleep. So generally speaking, we do want to try to be aiming for at least eight hours of sleep per night, okay? This is, I think, pretty common knowledge, but unfortunately, our society tends to glorify, like, the grind and, like, let's brag about how little sleep we got and how much coffee we had to drink today and stuff like that. Um, So I would say probably the majority of us don't get a solid eight hours, so that If that is you right now, that would be something that we strongly, strongly recommend working towards because our sleep is going to impact so many things when it comes to our hunger and our cravings and our overall energy and our ability to um, perform in the gym and even things like our patience with the people in our (laughs) lives and our mood and our irritability, right? It really affects everything. And Sleep is one of those ones that can kind of act as a domino effect mm, totally. towards lots of the other ones, right? Um, so aiming for that eight hours per night. Um, do you want to talk about bedtime routines? Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, we could have a whole conversation about like routines and how routines themselves are glorified. Um, So when we talk about routines, I guess we'll just kind of note that we're not talking about like a to-do list of 10 things you need to do in order to have a good sleep. This is literally just like taking a little bit of time to think about what is the intention behind your bedtime routine? How do you want to feel? What helps you wind down? And ultimately consider like what is going to help you get into the best sleep routine, um, form the best habits around your form the best habits around your sleep and ultimately maximize the quantity and quality of your sleep over a consistent period of time. So for a lot of folks um, who maybe have like really go, go, go busy lifestyles, it can be hard to wind down at night. Um, There's definitely a lot of other factors like we'll talk about that will influence sleep and our ability to kind of chill out and fall asleep quickly. But if we can get ourselves into a routine of doing something with the intention of bringing some sort of relaxation, some sort of like mindfulness, um, that is generally going to be really helpful for us to kind of get out of our heads and be able to like move through the motions of like slowly, slowly drifting into sleep. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people that might look like, I mean, turning our screens off at least a half an hour before bed. 
getting rid of those kind of distractions. Some people will like to read, other people will like to um, maybe stretch, do some meditation, do some breath work, things like that. Um, I think it gets tricky for some of our clients who are parents um, or who have like shift work and stuff like that. There's a lot of other factors to consider. So by no means are we suggesting that it's super easy to dive into a bedtime routine. Um, but I think that we lack generally intention around what we're doing before bed. We know we're brushing our teeth. We know we're like, you know, sometimes we're showering, whatever those like to-do list kind of things. Yeah, they need to get done. But how we're doing those things and how we're moving through and feeling about that time can have an impact on ultimately like how well we fall asleep and what it feels like to get into that routine. Mm -hmm. So if you're noticing that you are lacking hours in bed or you're lacking sleep quality, the bedtime routine and what you're doing that hour before bed is something we definitely recommend looking at, auditing a little bit and trying to make some changes there. A few other things to consider with sleep is our caffeine intake. Okay. So some of us are going to be able to get away with drinking caffeine later in the day because our body's response to it is going to be different. Um, and yeah, I won't get into details about that. Basically, caffeine has a certain half-life depending on how your body processes it, um, which is why you might know someone who can drink a coffee and go right to sleep after. Um, <laughs> that is not me. <laughs> if I'm drinking caffeine after like 3 p.m., I'm not sleeping. So if you are noticing sleep quality is suffering or you're having a hard time falling asleep, that would be another thing to look at. Limiting caffeine intake uh, throughout the day and also trying to uh, keep it in the morning hours mm -hmm. would be helpful as well. And I think like when we're talking about sleep quality too, um, something that I didn't notice for myself was that I was waking up and even though I would log like eight or nine hours of sleep, I was still waking up and feeling super groggy, um, which for me specifically meant that I was actually having a terrible quality sleep. And I didn't really put the pieces together because I was like, oh, I got nine hours in bed. Like I should be feeling rested. Um, but when I look back, like I was definitely not falling asleep quickly. I definitely was like in those kind of shitty mediocre sleeps where you feel like you were in and out the whole night. Mm -hmm. um, and so working on different things to create a better quality of sleep became really important for me. For sure. I think lots of people can relate to that as well. Um, and so we're definitely want to pay attention to that quality because just because you're in bed for a certain amount of time doesn't mean that that's all great sleep. So those are some things that you can start to pay attention to in your own sleep and a few little kind of suggestions for changes that you can make if you're noticing that it's not supportive right now. Why don't we move into hunger? Already. So hunger, lots and lots to consider here. I think for our like clients daily logs, they rank like how their hunger was. And then we ask them to make notes on like why or why, why not? Um, because hunger is impacted by a ton of different things. Mm -hmm. So we wanna consider like, yes, what is our hunger levels like day to day? How might that be linked to other things? Are we noticing cravings? Are we noticing major like fullness versus like getting hangry? Um, are we able to link it to um, like meal timing and if we're fueling ourselves properly, all those things. So maybe the first thing to cover is like, are we having major hunger fluctuations? Like, are we getting to a point where we are starving and getting to that like hangry frenzied state? Um, or are we kind of like never feeling like we have an appetite? And within that, are we having like major hunger and cravings for certain things? Um, or maybe, should we start there? with like what those kind of things might mean or what we want to look at there? For sure. If we are, I think we should speak mostly to the um, hunger fluctuations because okay. I think that that's something that we see a lot. Um, generally speaking, that kind of like intense hunger usually comes in the afternoon or before dinner, right? We have a lot of clients who feel generally pretty stable throughout the day in terms of their hunger, but as soon as 3 p.m. hits um, or as soon as they're home from work from the day, they experience really high hunger. And so if we're experiencing high hunger at certain points of the day, 
by starting to track it, we can start to identify trends. So 3 p.m. might be a trend. We can then look at, okay, is it because we're not getting a balanced lunch with a good ratio of proteins, fats, and carbs that's keeping us full? Or maybe we have gone too long without eating at that point. Or maybe we need to put in like some sort of afternoon snack or something like that. Okay, potentially related to hunger and all of those instances. On the other side of things, it might be related to something other than hunger. It might be an emotional um, reaction to the day that you had at work. Or we might be in a habit of getting home from work and having a snack, right? So by identifying kind of when during the day that is happening, we're able to start to break down and build awareness around the strategies that are going to help us move through that. Mm-hmm. Because we want to look at definitely like, why are we hungry? It's Uh hunger and developing hunger is a natural thing. But in our kind of like modern day society, we end up eating for a lot of reasons outside hunger alone. So like Sarah mentioned, after a busy day, particularly a stressful one, it is a lot more common to see people come home and feel like ravenous and like hangry. And usually with certain cravings and opting for foods that, you know, might not be best served at that time. So really like highly palatable, easily available foods are generally what we can see um, consumed most in those times. There's nothing bad or wrong with it. But again, looking at this, we're bringing more awareness to it and ultimately trying to see like, could we make changes earlier in the day? Could we take care of ourselves um, with different strategies in order to um, keep our hunger levels at bay um, and move to a place where we're eating less often for reasons because we're not hungry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So hunger is definitely probably the most, I would say complex one of all of the biofeedback markers, just because there's so many other factors that influence it. And most of us aren't, we're not, most of us aren't great at understanding what is actual physical hunger versus what is hunger for some other reason. So yeah, or even like fullness, like, yeah, say hunger is one thing. But like, when we talk about like, oh, are you eating eating to 80% full, like a lot of us have no idea what that even feels like, right? We just eat the food that's on our plate. And that's that right. Um, So yeah, there's, there's a lot of complexities around it. So starting to build some awareness of, like Nicholas said, when you're hungry, what emotionally might be going on, Um, if there's certain trends, et cetera, can help you start to build more awareness of um, what needs to be done in order to move through that. And sometimes also want to just say, like, sometimes you are just hungry and you need to eat. I think there's this idea that like, oh, if you're hungry, like go drink some water or like suck on an ice cube or whatever, like do some gum. (laughs) (laughs) And that's definitely not what we're saying here at all. Um, it's just when, when we can build that awareness, it's going to allow us to make a lot more aligned decisions. And I guess like the caveat there is like, if we are in a diet phase and we're in a calorie deficit at some point, sure, we might feel overall more hunger, but if we're feeling like constantly starving and we're not, um, dieting with like a very specific purpose, like a physique bodybuilding competition, Um, generally we're better served by acknowledging that hunger and having something, I mean, preferably a well thought out balanced meal will generally prevent us from reaching the point of like desperation hunger Mm -hmm. and eating something super quickly, generally not aligned with what we want for ourselves um, and kind of like overdoing it that way. We're, We're way more likely to overeat later if we kind of reach the point of natural hunger and ignore it or blow past it. We're going to be overeating later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So why don't we move on to R? Our recovery. Recovery. So regardless of the type of exercise you do or whether you exercise or not, um, this can still be something to pay attention to. It's going to be a little bit more relevant probably for individuals who do some sort of strength training or CrossFit or more intense training. Um, But basically when we talk about recovery, we're talking about how is our body recovering from stimulus? Okay. So our training activity, it could be how is our body responding to um, or recovering from 
stressful situations or certain aspects. Yeah. Injuries, certain aspects outside of physical activity. Um, but for today's conversation, we'll talk mostly in terms of physical activity. So something we, I mean, again, going back to what we talk about with our clients is like, how many rest days are we taking per week? Mm -hmm. Um, And are we feeling rested on those days? So again, if we go back to the mentality that's like pushed a lot in the fitness industry, it's like this hashtag no days off, (laughs) team no days off. And it's like, we've got to be training. We've got to be, like Fergie said, just up in the gym, just working on the fitness, (laughs) like all the time. And that's great. Like, yeah, we definitely love the gym, promote physical exercise, but we definitely do not need to be, nor should we be crushing it in the gym every single day. Mm -hmm. The gym is where we get the stimulus, but it's in the recovery process that we like build the muscles. And so a lot of the times we can um, actually be counteractive towards our gains if we're constantly working out and not actually adequately recovering from that Mm -hmm. um i heard somewhere someone had a really good quote and said our bodies are incredible at adapting and we can put them through a ton a ton of stimulus Um, i think in this context they were talking about training so we can train like beasts But what happens most often is that people aren't adequately recovering. And so it's in the recovery piece that people often miss like the most gains, so to speak. Yeah, big time. And yeah, I think, I think there's like this fear that if we take a rest day or if we're not in the gym five times a week that we're going to lose out on that. Um, And that's definitely, I think that narrative is starting to change a little bit, but it's something that we like to make sure that our clients are doing at least taking one full rest day a week. And with that, a rest day isn't like an easy 5k (laughs) or like (laughs) a recovery day. Yeah. Or a rest day. Active recovery, I should say. Right. A rest day is like full on rest. Like you're not doing activity. Maybe you're going for a walk or something if that's part of your daily routine, but you are resting and we need to be taking at least one of those per week. Usually, will recommend to maybe even three. Yeah. Yeah. Gen pop two to three for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We also need to remember that we have a lot of other stressors in our life beyond our training, right? So rest days are important in allowing us to recover from those as well. So when we're looking at our recovery, we can look at how many rest days are we taking? We can also look at things like muscle soreness. Okay. Are you getting delayed onset muscle soreness? Are you so sore that you can't walk the next day? Sitting on the toilet hurts. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like that's not normal. That's not an indicator of a good workout. Um, So if that's happening frequently, that is a pretty telltale sign that we are under recovered. Okay. If we're going into training, feeling like we got hit by a bus, lacking energy and motivation, Again, signs that we're probably under-recovered. Yeah, and I mean, like, to go back to your point on DOMS, I think that, like, there are definitely times when we can see, like, soreness. But we, what we're getting at here is that we don't want that to be a common trend where you're Mm -hmm. just sore all the time. We see that a lot in CrossFit where it's like, oh, I'm so sore, but I'm going to go into the gym again today. Um, And... For a lot of folks, if we're sore way too often, that is a very good indicator that we're either not recovering enough, maybe we're not eating enough food, um, and we should probably consider, like, taking a look also at, like, sleep, because sleep Mm -hmm. is a big recovery agent, Um, so taking a look, like, at sleep, stress management, adequate food, and then also should we take another few days off. Yeah. Or do we need like a longer period off training and maybe we need a full deload week? Yeah. Or maybe we want to switch gears in the type of training we're doing for a week or something like that, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, lots of different kind of options there. So paying attention to recovery. I mean, our body talks to us, you know, and so I think that that's one of those areas where it's really, we need to learn to kind of tune into how our body's feeling um, and respect its wishes. Mm Mm-hmm. Like if you're feeling like really flat going into the gym multiple days in a row, that's a pretty good indicator that like, hey, we should throw a rest day in there or maybe at the very minimum an active rest day where we're doing some like really light stuff. 
Um, but I think too, when we're looking at like, what is a rest day? Yeah, it's a day where we don't really want to be doing any intentional, like physical exercise. So like workout specifically, but I think a lot of people will have that rest day and be like, well, I took a day off, but inside that rest day, they're not actually relaxing. Right. And so that can be like, there's a mental component to that too. Um, but when we're like fully recovering, like pros, we're able to get ourselves into that like parasympathetic rest and digest, pause and plan type space where our bodies are like resting. Yes, we're maybe mm -hmm. sitting, we're sedentary, we're stationary, but um, our physiology is able to like chill the fuck out as well. Yeah. yeah your nervous system. Yeah, for sure. Relaxing is hard. It can be. It can be very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So why don't we move on to energy then? So the E is for energy. And so when we are looking at our overall energy with this one and with all of them, it's important to recognize like there's going to be days where they're trash. You know, <laughs> there's going to be days where our energy is shit. There's going to be days where we're not recovered. And one day doesn't necessarily mean things are quote unquote bad or anything like that. But what we are looking for is overall trends. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to see some perfect storms. Yeah. Energy is a big one. We want to consider our energy date today. So is it fluctuating? Are we starting the week off hot? And then by Thursday we have zero energy. Is it fluctuating throughout the day? Again, maybe that afternoon kind of like mid afternoon crash. Um, are we waking up feeling rested are we falling able to fall asleep at night? You know, looking at your energy throughout the day and then from day to day throughout the week can be really helpful. So energy is also a good one that we can start like linking back to the other markers as a good indicator of like how our energy is going to be. So if our sleep is shit, like we'll talk about if our stress is out of control, if we haven't taken any rest days and maybe we're under eating, like do we expect to see high energy? Like absolutely, absolutely not. not. Um, so building consistent energy day to day generally requires having good biofeedback markers from the other areas. So again, sleep, hunger, recovery are three main ones to be looking at um, when we're talking about improving our overall energy. Mm -hmm. And calorie intake, right? Mm -hmm. We can't expect to feel energized if we're completely under fueling ourselves. Yep. Um, so that's a big one there too. Um, we can also notice changes in like our non-exercise activity thermogenesis or NEAT. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if we're feeling low energy, does that mean we're sitting around more? Because that can also then kind of perpetuate this cycle of like, I don't have the energy to move, so I'm not moving. But if I know if I moved that I would feel more energy and it's kind of like <laughs> this, like yeah. this cycle, right? Um, so noticing if we are um, lacking neat, if that's affecting our energy. Um, cause a lot of times we'll find when clients can try to increase their neat or add a daily walk or something like that, it will have a positive effect on their energy. Right. Um, so looking at things like that, there's another really great exercise. Was that from Sam Miller too? Yeah. 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 You want to talk about it? Yeah. So Sam Miller, who kind of like as far as we know, coined the acronym SHREDS, he also came up with an exercise that we love to use with our clients. And personally, I love to use it for myself mm -hmm. um, called drains and charges. So essentially, it's a tool we can use to kind of keep stock on our daily energy inputs and outputs. And so drains would be the outputs. Drains are anything that require our energy, be it physical, mental, emotional, etc. And charges are what the activities or things that we have in our lives that bring energy in. Um, so this is like perceived energy in um, or, or physical energy in, et cetera. So this would include maybe if we're looking at drains, that might be, um, you know, going to work and being stressed at work. It might be like taking care of kids or um, being responsible for the care of someone else. It might be for some people, if we're overtraining, training can definitely be a drain. Um, for other people, um, a lack of sleep can be a drain. Um, maybe uh, conflicts in a relationship can feel like a drain at some point. All of these kind of different things that require our energy out or feel literally like they're draining us would be put in that category. 
on the flip side, charges are things that we feel rejuvenated by, excited about, things that make us feel great. Um, so that might be, again, like exercise for some folks might be the charge because we feel really great before and after a workout. We're excited by it. Charges could be a great sleep. Charges could be your nutrition. Charges could be deep conversation with friends or therapy, um, anything really. Like these things are totally dependent and these things can change too. So something that was formerly a drain could become a charge and something that was previously a charge could become a drain. And so through this exercise, you can kind of just like take a piece of paper, make a T chart and do a brain dump, take five minutes or something, do a brain dump of all the things that you feel are requiring energy and are draining for you right now and all the things you have as charges right now. And then when you look at this list, what we want to do is compare to see how many drains we have versus charges. And if, you know, we're really short in the charges and we've got a ton of drains, that's a pretty good indicator that our energy out is overpowering our energy in and we're kind of on the path to burnout. Mm -hmm. And so the goal here is to start to balance that list out by either starting to remove or alleviate some of the drains or building more intentional areas of charge into our life in order to meet in the middle and have our drains equal our charges or if we're rock stars having our charges outweigh our drains um, and so that might be something to revisit like week to week month to month and just kind of see where things are landing for you and if there's any kind of red flags that you can identify or areas you can improve on to help your overall energy for sure yeah it's a great exercise 100% recommend using that one in terms of um, assessing your energy and that piece of biofeedback. Okay, so moving on to digestion then, the D in shreds. So again, we're not just looking at like, you know, do I have good digestion or bad digestion? We wanna look at our overall digestion and identify, first of all, are there any major concerns? Are we experiencing any like uncomfortable bloating, gas, inconsistent bowel movements, et cetera? Um, this is something that I think is like normalized, like everyone says, oh, it's normal to feel bloated. And like, it's normal in the sense that it happens to a lot of people, but it's not normal in the sense that it should be happening all the time. And so we do want to be keeping tabs on how often or how um, severe. Yeah, how severe mm -hmm. that's happening for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're going to feel something in your belly after you eat right but severe pain and bloating to the point where it's very uncomfortable is definitely not normal and that is a sign that there's something mm -hmm. something going on yeah like having a fully distended abdomen or like cramping that would be that is not a normal thing in the sense that that's not that should not be happening yeah yeah, so paying attention to if that's happening, if it's when you eat certain foods, if it's at certain times a day, et cetera, et cetera. Um, looking at our bowel movements is another thing to look at in terms of our digestion, super Yay, fun to poop. talk about. Um, so are they regular? Are you having a bowel movement every day, multiple? Are there days where you're going without? Um, are they painful, et cetera, et cetera? Looking at those types of things can give us some insight into what's going on and warrant some changes to our diet, our fiber intake, et cetera. What else? Um, I think a good starting point for a lot of folks is, especially those who are starting to track their macros and track like what kind of food they're eating, can be really helpful to start to pair like a little digestion log with it and assess like, how do you feel after you're eating? Like, are you feeling any discomfort? Do you feel bloated? Do you feel like overly full? Do food sit really heavily in your stomach? Or do you feel like you can eat a meal and get up and go for like a comfortable walk? Um, I think I think of um, like cartoons where people eat a big meal and then have to like undo the top button on their pants because right. they're so bloated <laughs> by it. Yeah. Um, so taking note of things like that. Um, and then after a while, after we've gathered some kind of trends around that and say we're kind of always feeling like bloated or uncomfortable after lunch. Well, let's take a look at what we're eating for lunch. Um, and there's some things that we can kind of um, tweak within that if we suspect that it's either something we're eating, like a specific food that's causing bloating or indigestion, if it's the volume, or I think we'll probably talk about this, is if it's like the speed in which we're eating also. 
for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of us, when we are experiencing digestion, I think, and I mean, Instagram is probably partly responsible to this, but we'll automatically jump to like, oh, we need to cut out gluten or dairy, or oh, we have some crazy food sensitivity or something like that. But a lot of times we notice with our clients that any digestion issues that they're having after eating are often a result of us just not being super mindful when we're eating and either eating way too fast, right? In inhaling, <laughs> I've been guilty of that. Oh, yeah. um, eating too fast, right? Um, and eating with lots of distractions um, doesn't give our body the time to kind of process and break down the food as it's supposed to. And that can cause some bloating and gas and indigestion after we eat as well. So sometimes just a couple of quick tweaks of like, hey, let's chew our food fully um, mm-hmm. and put our fork down between bites and, you know, take some time between bites so that we're not inhaling a whole bunch of air and <laughs> not chewing our food fully. And then our stomach is like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, that can be super helpful. So that would definitely be where to start if you are having digestion mm-hmm. issues. Yeah, maybe so I think first place to start there, just as some quick recommendations are eat, try and eat at least one meal distraction free mm-hmm. every day as a start and see how that feels. So distraction free means we're not scrolling Instagram while we're eating. We're not trying to squeak out an email for work. Um, we're not in front of the TV. It's just like us in our food. Um, that would be probably a main suggestion because I don't think too, too many of us do it. Um, and then maybe the second one is aim for something like 20 to 30 chews per bite of food, putting your fork down in between bites. Mm-hmm. That can feel like a lot for people, um, especially like when I ask my clients, hey, like how many times roughly would you say you're chewing your food? Um, usually the answer I get is like, I don't know, like three to five. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Been there still do that but it's definitely something that collectively I think we can work on Um, and then again if we're taking notes of this or just being aware see how that feels and see if um, simply by slowing down um, you see changes to like what hunger levels do too because our hunger signaling can be tied to the speed in which we eat so the quicker we eat the less time our internal signaling processes have time to catch up and be aware of like okay a certain amount of food has come in like we're full And so we end up overeating too. And so the volume and total quantity of food we eat too can change sometimes if we're able to slow down a little bit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, and then if those things aren't helping, then it might be time to look into, okay, do we have some sort of gut dysbiosis going on? What is our fiber intake looking like, et cetera? Um, But we definitely, I mean, that's a conversation for another day. Let's just start start there for today. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, why don't we move on to the last S in the shreds? Stress. Stress. Um, yeah, so, scary one. Yeah. I mean, stress is an interesting topic. We could probably make a separate podcast just on stress. Most um, likely we'll have to. Yeah, yeah. But stress, I mean, I think generally we view stress as a bad thing, right? Um, and we think that. I think we don't give ourselves enough credit in terms of our resiliency and our ability to move through stress. Um, And it's very important to recognize like we are going to have stressors, some stressors we're not going to be able to get rid of, but the way that we approach and think about stress is going to have a huge impact on the physiological effects of stress on our body. Um, So paying attention to what are the stressors that drains and charges exercise is really great in that. So what are the stressors in my life and what are the strategies that I have in place in order to manage that stress is a really important thing to look at here. Mm -hmm. And remember that when we talk about like stress and our total stress load, we're not just talking about our perceived stresses. So it's not just the email from our boss. It's not just being stuck in traffic. It's not just our long to-do list. It's also like, are we experiencing like inflammation? Are we experiencing like, um, unfortunately, dysregulated sleep? Um, Are there toxins, allergies, illnesses, things like that going on that are a stress on our body? And then how is our training affecting us too? Training is a stress. And so if we're, for example, 
like our sleep is shit and we're stressed as fuck like is training going to be a good addition to that probably not not crossfit at least (laughs) not a lot of training yeah Um, and so stress is something we want to consider more broadly instead of just like how is our perceived stress at the moment we need to take stock of everything that can that is contributing to our total stress load yeah yeah so with this one really trying to just focus on what you're doing to excuse me to manage stress um, to reduce any of the stressors that you do have the control over reducing. Um, and then the way that we are moving about our lifestyle and routine in order to support a healthy level of stress and not overload. So. Yeah. I mean, I think we can probably like leave it there knowing that mm-hmm. we'll come back to a full stress episode later. I don't think people are unfamiliar with stress. Um, it's Absolutely just a matter not. of kind of like creating your own stress management tools and remember that if we want to improve stress a lot of times we can look to other biofeedback markers to improve them to simply just support ourselves better so that we're better able to manage the stresses that we do have for sure okay so cool we know shreds we're starting to pay attention we've found (laughs) all of these things that we want to improve with our biofeedback now what great question tell me I have no idea (laughs) I'm like waiting for Nicola to what do we do once we have the information it's really being able to apply that to our goals and to our situation so this is again something that we focus on a ton with our clients is okay we have this information what does that look like in terms of our day-to-day habits in terms of our nutritional intake in terms of our training schedule how can we support or change those in order to improve any biofeedback that's maybe lacking um so uh what was I gonna say I don't know that led me to think about our other recent episode about nutritional goals and how we have to be aware of kind of like the trade-offs in some of the different goals um and even just becoming aware of like the general requirements of them biofeedback markers play a huge role in how we are setting ourselves up for success towards those goals. So what I mean by that is, let's use the example of someone wanting to pursue weight loss. So they have, as we talked about last week, an aesthetic goal. So they are looking to change their body composition, lose fat. In order to do that, we have to be at a calorie deficit, which is, guess what? A stress on our body. So if we are trying to move into a calorie deficit, but we're in a place where we already have an extremely high stress load and maybe our sleep is shit and maybe we don't have great energy already, maybe our performance has already dwindled, like are we in a good place to be in a deficit, let alone be successful? Probably not. And these are kind of the hard truths when we set out on the the journey to achieve a goal. Performance would be really similar here. Again, like if our biofeedback is trash, are we going to be a high-performing athlete and be making serious gains in the gym? Probably not. No. And are we going to respond well to the training load required? Mm -hmm. Probably not. You know, it's probably just going to dig us deeper into a hole. Yeah, dig us deeper into a hole for sure. And so the unfortunate then part of this is recognizing that on our way to our goals for a lot of folks the starting point is getting our biofeedback into a good place before we're actually going to go into a calorie deficit or before we're going to move our training days to two a days or you know like put on a ton of muscle mass there's a lot of other work aka on our biofeedback that has to be done first to really build a good foundation but ultimately it sets us up to like develop healthier habits, to improve our overall health, to probably have a much more enjoyable time in the pursuit of our goals if our biofeedback is supporting us rather than working against us. For sure. And unfortunately, like it's not sexy, you know, which I, I think, think this is <laughs> <laughs> which I think is why this stuff isn't necessarily talked about as much. Again, I do think it's starting to come into more conversation, which is great. Yeah, like, are you kidding? Nine hours of sleep? Whew, that's hot. Yeah, that is. <laughs> but like, hey, I know you have weight loss goals, but we can't 
pursue those right now. We have to work on sleeping more and mm-hmm. managing your stress. Yeah. Hard People are like, okay, bye. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, another uh, important kind of thing to consider with biofeedback is our biofeedback markers can also be a really, really great way to measure overall progress, regardless mm-hmm. of whether you're working towards body composition goals or performance, etc. So if we are seeing improvements in our energy or seeing improvements in our sleep, getting better at stress management, working through difficult situations with more grace and self-compassion, those are all measures of progress. Those are all signs that like, fuck, you're doing a great job, mm-hmm. you know, um, beyond the like specific outcome that we're working towards to whether, whether it's body composition or performance or whatever. Um, so tracking biofeedback can be another way to measure progress, um, outside of what we look like physically or how we're performing in the gym, which is really important for our overall, um, dedication to the process, our overall, um, self-efficacy, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so I think if we are someone who is about to be in the pursuit of a goal, regardless of what it is, or if we're kind of new to this whole fitness and nutrition space, that would be probably my suggestion of where to start. I mean, yes, we can talk about like nutritional places to start. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a future episode too. But in general, if we're talking overall health and getting ourselves in a position to really be successful later on with a more specific goal, definitely working on the shreds, working on sleep, hunger, recovery, energy, digestion, and stress management are all going to be super key to building a very solid foundation from which you can be successful later. Yeah, big time. So that's pretty much the recap of today. Um, You can use that shreds acronym we'll put it in the show notes too so that you have it Um, and we'll shout out sam there Um, but yeah highly recommend starting to track that stuff and if this is something that you want help with it's a big focus of what we do with our clients um, and within the work that we do with them so we're happy to chat with you um, talk through what that might look like and what support might look like in tracking these things for yourself Um, so hit us up with that if you want um, but why don't we go into our fuck yes and fuck no? Yeah. I, do, you have, do you have them right off the top of your head? Well, I had a fuck yes earlier, um, but now I can't it? remember what it was. <laughs> Couldn't have been that I great think, then. <laughs> I think it was something, it was, probably wasn't that great because I think it was like I had a slower morning this morning mm-hmm. because it was rainy and I let myself sleep in a little bit longer than normal. I'm very much like I normally have to get up early and like get right into my routine. And then as soon as my routine's done, I got to get working. That's just like what I do. Um, but this morning I was a little bit slower and I like wasn't in a rush and that was super nice. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so backstory here. The other day, Sarah and I had a call with our coach and I voiced that one of my goals in life is to cultivate a slow life. So one in which like I'm relaxed, I'm not like putting myself through much stress. I'm just like chill. That's one of my pursuits in life. And Sarah said something to the effect of, that sounds like my worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Just we're a little different in that fact, but I love a good slow morning. I think it was, that was why I was like, okay, it seemed like a fuck yes, but now I'm like (laughs) stressed about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah complete opposites but anyways Um, it was nice well yes I mean I will echo that and say that a slow morning is the tits that's a major fuck yes um okay so that puts me in the fuck no category um what's a fuck no can you think of any in terms of shreds um or drains and charges I'm stumped right now. Well, I mean, that's not a bad thing. Of my drains and charges. Oh, this you kind of brought this one up earlier when we were chatting before the podcast. But a fuck no would be when you took your recovery day on the wrong day. Oh, frick. <laughs> so, yeah. Sarah, do you want to tell them what happened? Well, I just, yesterday I took a rest day. I didn't really, like, necessarily need to. I usually take my rest days on Thursday. 
but I was kind of sore and I wanted to do some other stuff. So I took a rest day yesterday, but I found myself like wanting to go to the gym, even though it was a rest day. And then now today I have to, I'm supposed to go to the gym and I don't want to because it's raining and gloomy outside. And I'm like, fuck, I should have taken my rest day today. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm joking here a little bit because like if her body was telling her like, Hey, uh-huh. let's chill the fuck out. Like it was probably a good decision. Yeah. Um, but just in the context of like our training schedules and stuff, there are definitely days when, you know, you just don't want to go. And it's yeah. nice when you just don't want to go on the same day as a scheduled okay. rest day. That's yes. super nice. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the stars Does that align. ever actually correlate, though? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's a big old fuck no. Yeah, that's fair. I got it. I'm going to go PR my power clean after this. Atta girl. Boom. Um, okay, well, we will wrap up for today. So as always, if you enjoyed the episode, we would love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes. And once a month, we will be picking out of the five-star reviews for someone to be our monthly listener who will win some moolah to spend on any of our um, products or services, nutrition coaching, or coach mentorship. So we'd love to hear from you there. Um, You can give us a follow on social media if you want to see more at Paradigm Nutrition underscore or our personal accounts are at Nicola Spencer. (laughs) I said it slow because when we say at Nicholas Spencer, it always sounds like Nicholas. Nicholas Pencer. People have thought that's what my name is before. Nicola. 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 Um, And at Sarah Cod Fit. Um, What else? Yeah. Nothing. That's it. That's all we got. We're wrapping it up. We do have our, we're opening another session of our summer coaching promo. Um, so our one-to-one coaching, we have a special offer for summer. It's a three-month minimum commitment um, with one-to-one nutrition coaching. So if you are interested in that, if you are interested in that, <laughs> um, you can shoot us a DM on social media, or you can go to the website and apply there, paradigmnutrition.net. Um, but we are taking, we've got about 10 more spots open for that in that second session. So hit us up if you're interested and we will work on your biofeedback with you. That's right. You're going to be a biofeedback pro. Yeah. Okay, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in today and we will see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.